0: Hello and welcome back. It's another episode of the ERMBA show. As always, I'm here with Ezra. How are you doing, Ezra?
1: I'm good, I'm excited to be back. What's popping, my loyal listeners. I'm excited for this episode today.
0: Yeah, so as always, we'll start off with our favorite part of the episode, a little word about one of our sponsors. So this week we're sponsored by Wild Gallery. That's W-Y-L-D dot gallery. And this is a gallery in Austin, Texas, Native American art. And Ezra and I have been looking at this website. We've been thinking about Valentine's Day, something that our listeners might want to get for their significant other. And I was looking at this piece. It's called The Doppelganger Wolf by Tom Ferris. It's a really unique piece. I picked it out, and Ezra actually said to me right off the bat wait, that's really awesome. So you should go to wild.gallery, check out their products, maybe get something for your significant other, Valentine's Day coming up. I know we would appreciate it and they would appreciate it. So be on the lookout. Anything else, Ezra? No, I'm loving the art that I'm seeing on the website. I would definitely go take a look. Awesome. So let's get into some MBA. We're going to start off this episode by talking about the calves and Clippers game last night because Ezra and I for the first time in oh maybe basically a year attended a live sporting event in Cleveland got to see the Cavs and the Clippers and to start off this conversation we're going to do a basketball reference a nickname of the episode and we're going to go with Big Penguin for Andre Drummond so Ezra I'll just turn it over to you what did you see last night in person from the big penguin himself.
1: The Big Penguin. That's a that's a great nickname. That that rivals one we made the one I made for you last week. Um it's he last night was honestly one of the biggest surprises I had watching the game. You know, Paul George went eight for nine from three, had a great game, 36 points. That's not overly surprising. He's been really, really solid this year, but Andre Drummond, the Big Penguin, surprisingly bad. Surprisingly bad. He looked like the most selfish player on the court. Really giving minimal effort. Every time he was on the floor, you knew the Clippers were going to make a run. Really, really poor on defense. Ibaka was eating him up physically inside. Just really couldn't compete. Tons of turnovers also. Looked like a soft player out there.
0: Yeah, he looked like he just didn't want – he never wanted to pass. He was demanding the ball in the post. Just tried to barrel over Ibaka, barrel over Zubok and it turned into him throwing it off the glass hoping to get his own offensive rebound if not complaining to the ref there was a point in time in the game where Drummond tried to split a double team wanted the foul didn't get it chucked it off the backboard and Darius Garland was standing in the corner and Drummond went to go throw the ball in and Garland did not move from that spot for a good 30 seconds to a minute just being like bro I was wide open, (laughs) wide open. And watching Drummond, you can kind of tell why the Cavs have one of the worst offenses in the NBA. If the ball reaches Drummond, it's a shot, no pass. He's setting a screen. It looks like he's just stat padding. And the Clippers shot unbelievably well, Mm -hmm. unbelievably well. And the Cavs, other than Sexton and Garland, couldn't really stay up, keep up with them. And all we saw was that when Jared Allen was in the game, the Cavs are significantly better than when Drummond was in the game. Now this is also one off. We know he's been a little better, but the style of play and seeing how many Mavs fans want him, seeing what is looks like is going on through his head during the basketball game is just something I want as far away as possible from my team.
1: Yeah, he was uh I've been hearing that he's probably from Nets fans as well that we he could be somebody that we look to add later on this year. Like we talked about last night, he got traded for almost nothing last year going to the Cavs. I uh, don't really see him getting any trade value right now, so he should keep an eye on his trade situation. In the game last night, he was a team worst and game worst, minus 33 plus minus while he was on the court. I mean, that's just abominable, like four for 13 from the field. 13 points, five rebounds. Some games you see him, mean, he'll be on the front page of NBA.com. He has 33 points and 23 rebounds. Crazy style line. And the next game, he'll literally just do this, have a minus 33, plus minus. So a really poor showing, and I was really surprised by his minimal effort last yeah,
0: night. Yeah, I think the most impressive, let's just stick with the Cavs first, mm-hmm. and we'll transition to the Clippers, but the most impressive player in my mind was to, actually, I'll go with two guys. One, Lamar Stevens from Penn State, former Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. The Cavs were giving up over 33, I believe, points in the first quarter. Couldn't do anything. The Clippers were 100% from three. They continued to shoot 58.8% from three for the game. Clippers were 100% from three. Paul George killing them. Kawhi killing them. Sergi Baca killing them. Lamar Stevens comes in. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone defend on consecutive possessions, maybe five in a row, Kawhi, Paul George, Kawhi, Paul George, Kawhi, Paul George, and cut a 10-point, 12-point lead to give the Cavs the lead at some point in that second quarter. Mm -hmm. That was definitely the most impressive and something I never expected to see. And then my second was Darius Garland. He was 11 of 18 from the field, 23 points. Coming off of that screen, that mid-range, sort of 15-foot area, a step in, the floater, or just sort of like a leaner, Jump shot, and all of them just in, 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 and I didn't know that he was scoring the ball off the dribble like that. Yeah,
1: he looked really comfortable coming off those screens. We were talking about comparing him, his floater to Quickly's last night. Kind of similar shots they have uh, in the mid range. There, uh, he hit a couple pull up jumpers that shots that Quickly doesn't like to take, but he looked extremely comfortable, like you said, and really kept him in the game during the second, the second quarter last night.
0: So I think we should transition to the Clippers. You've been pretty high on them. I know they're one of your favorites to come out of the West. And last night was fully a great showing for that take. And one of the biggest reasons why is Paul George. I think a lot of times we see players get called out in the media and we're curious how they're going to respond. And Paul George took it so personally and actually went off 13 of 28 of nine from three and 36 points. And he looked like, Other than maybe when Jared Allen and Lamar Stevens were guarding him, there was nobody that was going to stop him from getting to his spot. And maybe him taking that step forward is still him being angry from the way he was perceived in the bubble and in the playoffs. I'm still not sure I trust him in those moments. I know against a team like the Cavs, he automatically has that self-esteem and views himself as better, and he thinks that he can take anyone on the other team. Now we'll see if that's the case when there's other guys there. But I think quietly Kawhi was a silent killer last night.
1: Yeah, he was. He had
0: 24 points, I'm pretty sure. Nine of 14 shooting, 50% from three. Mm -hmm. I didn't really notice him that much, but I don't remember him missing a shot or doing anything bad.
1: When he's in a rhythm, he's like any other player, unlike any other player in the league. When he gets to his spots and he's in a rhythm, it's impossible to guard. You mentioned his line drive release. It's, it's literally like a rocket going into the basket. It seems like he's not going to miss when he's at a rhythm like that. Once you get a little physical and get him off of his spots, he's a little less efficient. But during the first quarter last night, and whenever he got the ball and he needed to get a bucket, you knew that he was, was going to go in.
0: I think that one addition I thought was going to be big, but I didn't realize how big it would be was Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. His 14 points last night and his physicality and his literal no fear of anything or anyone, I think was a big reason why – Drummond played terribly, mm-hmm. and his ability to hit those shots and make Marcus Morris more of a luxury as opposed to a necessity that we've talked about, and make Zubac more of a luxury as opposed to a necessity, is something that's really elevating their team this season.
1: Hundred percent. He, they, we talked about this last night after the game, but as soon as the game started, they posted him at the free throw line. The Cavs run that match up two three zone that's really difficult gave the Nets a lot of problems but they stuck ibaka at the free throw line he was able to distribute and hit some jump shots from the middle of the paint really broke their defense down the Cavs had to quickly get away from that defensive scheme that they set out to guard the clippers with
0: also one other point i wanted to touch on i think that we might have been a little harsh on luke Kennard to mm-hmm. start the year i don't i think the expectations for him may have been too high but as a bench three-point shooter, I think he's kind of settling in. The whole team shot incredible from three, so it could have been an anomaly. But he was three of four from three and just spacing the floor for PG and for Kawhi and Ibaka. If he's going to be able to do that, I was. we were listening to Kevin O'Connor's podcast the other day and they were saying how the Mavs don't have anyone. That Luca's passing the ball to, and you're like, oh man, like that's a bucket. Yeah. I feel like Luke Kennard kind of could be that guy he for, could be. for the Clippers. Yeah,
1: he was last night. There were a couple of times, like on the break, they kicked it to him. He was wide open. You're just like, that's got in. Yeah, and it just went in. He's that. He could be that guy. I think he's streaky. A couple of times I've watched him wasn't great against the Nets, but he definitely has been settling into that role, like you mentioned, and he could be a really solid piece moving forward. I one think, thing well, I just ahead. want to mention one thing about the game in general that we meant we talked about last night. Um, the Cavs not shooting threes. I think they took a total of 10 threes last night. We're four for 10 from three, so 40%. But like taking 10 threes is the opposite of a winning recipe in this league right now. And you just can't take 10 threes and expect to win. Garland and Sexton, like we mentioned, were great coming off those screens, getting into the lane, hitting those shots when they needed to. But you, they don't have guys to kick it to. Guys are staying on their men because they know they're just going to take floaters the entire game to mid-range shots. And teams will just let them do that. They can win with their defense, With them, they when they don't hold teams to under 105 points, there's very few chances for them to win.
0: Yeah. I mean, Garland and Sexton had 23 and 27. They were both really good. But the next step is, one, we were talking about how they make probably one pass to two passes on the offensive end. So that's bad. But it could be that they just don't trust their guys to hit shots, or they know that if they give Drummond the ball, they're never getting it back. Zero percent. So sense. part is a young team. Part is Drummond. Part is I don't know who's hitting threes for them. Like Torian Prince is one of the streakier three-point shooters of his entire career. So mm-hmm. who knows what what what'll happen with him? Definitely. Do you have anything else on the on the game?
1: No, it was it was really fun to go. I'm excited to get to more games. Hopefully we can get to one for the end of this semester. But it was a good time. I'm glad we went.
0: All right. So let's transition to talking a little bit more current events. Just the NBA right now. We're gonna look at power rankings for each conference and sort of rank them one through five. I don't know if you also want to talk about just overall the whole NBA top five, but mm-hmm. we'll see how much we disagree or agree on the East or West. So mm-hmm. you pick a conference, you start.
1: All right, let's start with the West. I'll give you my top five, and then I'll hear yours, and we can discuss a little bit. Um, so my one – I have a 1A and 1B right now. My 1A is the Lakers. Um, they're 16-6. They just won at, at Boston and – in Milwaukee there they've had 14 away games and they're 12 and 2 away from home which is unbelievable as a championship team you need to be above 500 away from home and they are far and away better than 500 on the road they look better than they were last year to start the year they're really solid the best defense team in the league love what they're doing obviously LeBron is still the best player in the league so I love them my 1b like you mentioned extremely high on the Clippers they're 17 6 they were first in the West for a while uh, had lost the Nets the other night. I just was looking at their schedule. I, was, I I really do think they're unreal. I think they have a serious chance of coming out of the West. They really haven't played that many good teams since the beginning of the year. They beat the Lakers on opening night and really haven't had a test since up until the Nets, which obviously didn't go their way the other night. Third, I have the Jazz. Jazz are first in the West. I, they're extremely solid. They're 16-5. They're just extremely solid on both ends of the ball, I'd say. Calmly. I think it's their X factor right now. 17 points, six assists, three rebounds up from last year. He's pretty pretty sure he averaged 14 points last year. I think he's a key to that team. And I think if they keep playing well, they could contest the Clippers for that one B spot, like I mentioned. Fourth team kind of just fit in here. I didn't really have another team to put here, the Nuggets. They're 12-8. and eight. They're starting to put it together. Fun stat I had. Jokic just had a double-double in every single game this year which is just unbelievable. And he doesn't get 10 rebounds, he gets 10 assists. So he's on MVP watch playing extremely well. Last um, had to decide here. They're not the fifth in the standings. They're actually not even in the playoffs right now, but the Warriors are 11 and 10. They're not in the playoffs. Like I mentioned, they're the nine seed, but they're a half game out of the five seed, which is pretty crazy right now, this far into the season, quarter of the way through. Steph is averaging 28, seven and five overall, extremely solid. Draymond's, a worse version of himself offensively, really contributing nothing on that end. But he's been a solid vocal leader for their young guys. So I think they're the fifth team in my eyes, but definitely considered a couple others putting there. What are your thoughts?
0: So I also had the Lakers won, and the Lakers will stay number one for me mm-hmm. as long as they're within a few games of the number one seed regardless. Anthony, all, Almost all of Anthony Davis's stats are down. From last year, I think four points less, like two, three rebounds less. And he's playing less minutes, and they're still just as good. Mm -hmm. And until someone knocks them off their throne, they're staying number one for me.
2: Agree.
0: I had, right now, the Jazz at number two. Mm -hmm. They're hitting, I sent you today, close to 43% of their wide open threes. You said Conley stepping up. The key guy for me in all of this, I think, is Jordan Clarkson. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the bubble, he was a necessity, and now he's a luxury.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's one of my favorite Your phrases favorite of sayings. of this <laughs> NBA season. But Conley's playing well. Um, Bogdanovich's playing well. He, both of them are in. They were both out. They're both in. So now you can move Ingles and Jordan Clarkson to the bench. And I promise you, on a lot of teams, they would be right in the starting lineup. 100%. On the Mavs, they may be in the starting lineup. Maybe could be for sure, uh, better than a lot of the bench players that the Mavs have. So if you have two solid starters, that would probably start on half the teams in the NBA, maybe Mm -hmm. 10, which is still a large amount on coming off your bench, you're set in my eyes, Mm -hmm. in terms of depth, maybe you need better superstars. But we'll see if Donovan Mitchell can maintain that consistency. But that team right now is just I think we talked about it. we listened. we've read some things. they have a, definitely have a chip on their shoulder and it's showing mm-hmm. and they're gonna be around to stay if there's fans in and in Utah in the playoffs, I really think the bubble was a worse environment for the jazz than it might have been for some other teams.
1: I agree.
0: I'm gonna go with the Clippers third. They just have the star power. they have the roster. I don't think you can put them any lower i'm I'm still. I still want to see what happens with them. You said they haven't played that many good teams. They have the firepower to be in a game with anyone, but I just don't trust Paul George yet. We need to see this. all these chemistry issues that they were talking about with Kawhi. I mean, maybe Ibaka brought him back to earth from his Toronto days, but we'll see. And then I have the Nuggets. MVP candidate Jokic has the best plus minus in the entire NBA, the only one in double digits he's too higher than the next which is in i believe that's crazy um the double double thing that you said i think when you have an mvp candidate on your team and you have solid perennial all-star in jamal murray mm-hmm. and you have rising star in michael porter jr you're putting up a lot a lot of points i think that gary harris is not the right piece for them gary harris and will barton i'm not really high on right now they're I don't know that they have enough defense mm-hmm. to win as much as they did last year. That was a concern I had before the season and I think in addition and I think that's why they started off kind of poorly in addition to some covid and some other stuff. But Jokic can carry you. He can get you a bucket, he can do anything. And then I'm not so high on the Warriors. I I was deciding bef- between a few teams and I don't I don't think they're the fifth best team. But I think as of now, I want to put them here as they've just been really impressive to me. And I was just going to go with the Rockets. And I like that. i I like that. I think that they might not make the playoffs. But right now, they're playing one of – they play so hard. It bothered me so much when Nawaba and Sean Tate and those guys your were, were just – so physical. And I think every single player on that team feels like they have something to prove. Mm -hmm. They're like eight and two with John wall. DeMarcus cousins has been written off and he is with his friend. Now Christian Wood was in China on a million different teams. They have all these castaways. Oladipo was told he wasn't good enough. He Mm -hmm. was hurt. They have all these castaways and to put the cherry on top, James Harden told them they weren't good enough. And whether he was right or wrong, I think I would be pissed if I was on the team and they're showing it. And I want to give my, my former assistant coach, Steven Silas, props.
1: He's done a great job. I was thinking
0: between the Rockets and the Grizzlies, but I don't know that I really trust the Grizzlies. They have so many young guys that are shooting like unbelievably, and Mm -hmm. they're probably due to give some of those makes to the Mavs at some point. (laughs) So hopefully that happens. But The Rockets are just so much better than I thought they'd be. And I think that no matter who they play, it's a tough, tough win.
1: Yeah, 100%. They play really hard. My my mentality in any sport, I love teams that don't give up a lot of points and play as hard as they can. And the Rockets do that every single night. They play tough. Like you mentioned, they have a chip on their shoulder, and they're really showing it thus far.
0: All right, take me through your
1: East. My East. You can guess who I have at number one. I have the Nets at number one. My power rankings right now, they're not – number one in the East in terms of record. They're 14-9 right now, 6-1 and one in their last seven games. They're hot. They're 9-3 against teams above five they They're showing up for the big games. I, It's hard to see – like the, the way they play, it's really hard to see them lose against really good teams. They put up so many points. Their scoring is off the charts. Obviously, they're not great defensively, but during big games, they. I really think Steve Nash – implements defensive tactics against these good teams that he doesn't really want to show them for the postseason then differently than he does against teams that he's not as worried about. Against the Clippers, they're doubling screens, playing this help defense where they had guys come all the way across the court when their guys on the other side, on the weak side. Just tactics that I don't see them doing on a regular basis. So I think their defense um, is going to get better, teams get better, all the time. They're just not going to get worse at defense, especially where they are right now. So I have them at number one, especially with, in my eyes, two MVP candidates and another guy that can score at will. There's just extremely hard to stop right now. Number two, I uh, have the Sixers, 16 and six. They're the second or the number one seed in the East right now. They're playing extremely well. And Beads having an MVP type season, 28 points, pretty sure, 11 or 12 rebounds a game. Uh, not as many assists as Jokic, but he's right up there. But them two are right up there as big men in the MVP race. only problem with the Sixers has been giving as when they take big leads, they tend to give them up and kind of get lack of days goal. But I think they'll be all right. Doc Rivers has done a really good job early on this season. Third, I have the Bucs. Never really been a huge fan of the Bucs. Obviously, Giannis is dominant. They had two losses back to back to the Hornets and Pelicans, which is a really bad look for them in my eyes um
0: and still have a better record than the nets
1: nah they don't they're 13 well the nets are fourteen they're 13-8 so depending so on they how you have
0: bad losses
1: yes um they do have bad losses back to back though isn't a great look for a team that's contending for a Definitely. um even though even so i have them third they lost to the nets at home also a tough game but i don't think they have what it takes to get to the finals That is yet to be seen though Fourth, Celtics struggling a little bit. They're struggling to pick up steam. Tatum and Jalen Brown, like we mentioned, are having great seasons. Tatum
0: was out for two weeks. With was COVID. out for
1: two weeks, still averaging 26, 7, and 4. Jalen Brown's averaging 26, 5, and 3. Extremely impressive. Kemba's been struggling to get back to his old ways. He's just struggling to score, struggling to get into a rhythm. He was out last night. They had a tough game against the Kings. 11 and 9, not doing great, but still my number four. And then my fifth is the Pacers. They're 12 and 10. They still don't have TJ Warren. Brogdon's playing out of his mind again, 50-40-90, averaging 22 points, four rebounds, and six assists, over six assists per game. So they're a tough team. Also, Miles Turner is one of the Defensive Player of the Year candidates, if not the favorite. So they're really solid in my eyes as well. That's my top five. What are your thoughts?
0: So first thing I noticed when trying to make these lists is that there are 10 teams in the West that are at 500 or better, and Mm -hmm. there are five in the East. That's pretty crazy. There are double the teams in the West.
1: So It's been the story for the last like four years. There
0: are also only three teams, excuse me, four teams in the entire Eastern Conference that are over 500 in their last 10 games.
1: Three? Four.
0: Four. That's crazy. Anyway, so I refuse to put Philly any lower than number one. Philly is thirteen and zero with their five starters. When all of their stars are playing, They're they were. I don't know their last three games, but they were ten and one at home before their next three games. They're now sixteen and six, which is the best record in the East. So until they lose a game with all their players healthy, um, I don't know that they could be any lower than one in my eyes. That's
1: fair. And who have they played? That's solid have they beaten
0: anybody they just beat the lakers i don't no, know their they, whole schedule but they just beat the lakers they just beat the lakers
1: by one at home i don't think they played they played the celtics twice who are struggling but they they've had some tests I, they haven't I don't lost disson... with
0: all their best with yes, all their players I don't,
1: I don't obviously i'm biased i don't disagree that they're
0: thus far in the season i'm not saying who's most likely to win a championship but thus far in the season they've been the best team in the That's east fair. i
1: think right now the nets are I think if they, it's it'll be interesting. We're gonna talk about this. About maybe in the so next
0: watch. six to maybe in the last six to eight games, the Nets have been the best. Yes. But in the whole entire season, I That's will. Fair. I refuse to say that Philly has not been the best team in the East. Then I'll say Brooklyn. Then I'll say Milwaukee, and a lot of the same things that you said about those two teams. so I don't really have to talk about it, but the next ones were hard for me because there's a part of me that really wanted to put Toronto four. interesting and why is that Toronto six and four in their last 10 games, okay. they started off a little weak, just like Denver did. Mm. I think that let's say they're the, the, the 10 seed, the three, the three teams above them right now are New York, Charlotte and Cleveland in a play in game. I think that they beat all of them. Every single one. And, Toronto probably had the biggest adjustment this year in terms of playing in a different climate, in a different country, in a different time zone, I think. So in Florida. And I think that we're seeing these players need to take adjustments to their roles. So Kyle Lowry needs to take a little bit of a step back. Fred Van Fleet needs to take a little bit of a step forward. OG Chris Boucher needs to take a step up. And I think that they're finally starting to click a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it's all said and done, they're going to still be a top six seed in the East. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still am going to put them behind Boston because I think Boston, so I'll put Boston four and Toronto five with Indiana as honorable mention. I think that Boston Tatum is a future MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, and he's been playing unreal. And I don't know that if, Jalen Brown and Tatum are playing like this I don't really know that they need Kemba to win a singular playoff series that's yeah I don't disagree so because of that I think I mean if they're the six or below seed then they probably would but if they're the four or five like I think they could win that matchup Mm -hmm. easily without Kemba just because of how good Tatum and Brown have been and we need to give Tatum some time to get back the reason why I wanted to put Toronto over Indiana is I think that indiana assuming that karis doesn't come back indiana sort of has a ceiling Mm -hmm. i don't they have so many like sort of second third tier guys but i don't know that they really i just don't trust the whole collective i don't like their bench as much as i like toronto they've had way less experience in the playoffs for some reason i trust Van Fleet more than Brogdon which I don't know why but they've just been there and so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for being there while I don't want you to think that I'm undermining Sabonis because I think he's so fun to watch and really really good I just think that they haven't all stayed healthy for a full season they haven't all put together been there I think as Toronto becomes more comfortable and continues to win games I think we'll see that they're going to be a top Six seed, like set minimum seven seed in the east when it's all said and done. So yeah. I, that's where I have them. Any any responses to me? No, nah, the
1: only response was would be to that Pacers, uh, Raptors. You had obviously have the Raptors in there. I the Pacers have been poor recently. I think they've lost, um, they're four and six in their last, last four. Ten, yeah. yeah, four and six in their last 10, struggling. They lost back to back. Hornets and Sixers. Sixers obviously is a tough game. Um, like you mentioned, they're having trouble staying healthy. They have in the past also. Uh, obviously, we saw Van Vliet has the potential to drop 50, and I don't think Brogdon's going to drop 50 on any night. So if that you're making that comparison. I just like the Pacers better um, all around. I like Sabonis better than Siakam. Miles Turner's better than Baines right now. And I just like their overall squad better. I don't know if the Pacers, how the Pacers are going to do. We'll see how they respond. They have a tough couple of games coming up, Pelicans, Jazz, Nets. So we'll see. They should beat the Pelicans the next year after that. If they get one of those wins, it'd be great. So we'll see how the Pacers respond. I still have them over the Raptors right now, even though the Raptors are playing a little
0: better. You know what I think it is? So what I literally was thinking to myself, I'm not really sure why. I just trust them more, and I realize that it's just Nick Nurse. Yeah. If they're going sure. head-to-head, the coach of the Pacers that I'm blanking on his name, is it Bjorkin or what's yeah, his Nick name? Yeah, He was under Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. So Nick Nurse taught him everything he knows. And he's just first-year head coach, not no playoff success yet. For some reason, I just am going with the, the experience as opposed to the what have you done for me lately. Mm-hmm. But I might be wrong. It's just the gut feeling, honestly. I don't really no, have any fair. hard evidence to back it up. That's fair.
1: Moving forward, we could talk about a couple games we're looking forward to in the next week. My first one is Rockets-Grizzlies tonight, two teams that play extremely hard, two teams we talked about for the five spot in our power rankings in the West. Should be extremely interesting to see how they match up with each other. I'm not sure where the game is, but that could have an impact. Um, Rockets are looking to continue, get a solid win, and the Grizzlies are 9-7 if I'm not mistaken. Um So it should be a solid game. Yeah, Grizzlies
0: are currently fifth in the West, and John Morant is unbelievable to watch. It's so fun to watch him. He's electric. I said Mm -hmm. some garbage to you before the season about how I think John Morant's going to be better than Trey Young, and I don't know if that'll ever be true. It might. Like, it's totally realistic, but it could have been some bias in there. But I think that we can both agree that – John Morant is way more fun to watch than Trey Young is 100%. with his flopping.
1: hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent.
0: Anyways, I'm excited for. I think it's on Monday. We have Nuggets Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to watch the contrasting styles of Jokic and Giannis. And then there's also a Clippers Celtics game coming yes, up tomorrow. And sure. I hope that Tatum's full strength. But like we talked about, Clippers haven't played. That many strong teams, and I think we can say that the Celtics are a decently strong team when fully 100%. healthy. I had
1: that on my list also.
0: And then there was one other one I was looking at. Oh, I always just a team I like watching is the Kings. We've mm-hmm. talked about this a lot. We love De'Aaron Fox, but I love Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. and whenever he goes off, it's awesome to be on Twitter when everyone's like, "You should have taken Halliburton number <laughs> one overall. What were you doing? Da 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 da. Whatever." So that those are my ones to watch this week
1: definitely i just had one more to add a little bias again Nets sixers on saturday and that's around the second half of a back-to-back pretty sure it's in philly also if i'm not mistaken but i'm really excited to see how the nets match up with them be a tough task to deal with Embiid, but they will have a tough tough task to deal with our three stars as well is that it should be a fun game is that this week or next week saturday i'm pretty sure the sixth yes
0: wow i must be missing it on on the espn app right now It's, it's, I don't know. I can't, I don't see it, but I believe you. You would know more than me.
1: Give me one second. Yep. Saturday
0: (laughs) the 6th at 8 PM. Wow. The ESPN Uh, app just doesn't have it. I think. Really? Oh no. I just missed it. How is that not on national TV? Yeah. It's not on national TV. They're putting Nuggets Kings ahead of it. It's because the world wants to see Tyrese Halliburton. That's what it is. (laughs) I want to, next episode, I have to check if Tyrese Halliburton has some good basketball reference nicknames. hundred (laughs) percent. All right. Well, Thank you, everyone. See you next time. See ya.